Welcome to the Bible 365 Podcast. My name is Randy Gudo, and it is day 151. As I mentioned on yesterday's episode, I have a special announcement coming here in the next few days. Going to share a little bit about next year, some exciting things that we have planned. I definitely love some feedback after you listen to the announcement. I'd love to know what you think about it. Our reading for today is coming from 2 Samuel chapter 17, John chapter 19, verses 23 through 42. Psalm chapter 119, verses 129 through 152, and Proverbs chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. The translation I'm using throughout this podcast is the English Standard Version, also known as the ESV, and our format is the one-year Bible. Let's read. 2 Samuel chapter 17. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me choose twelve thousand men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and discouraged and throw him into a panic, and all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike down only the king, and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride comes home to her husband. You seek the life of only one man, and all the people will be at peace. And the advice seemed right in the eyes of Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Then Absalom said, Call Hushai the archite also, and let us hear what he has to say. And when Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom said to him, Thus has Ahithophel spoken. Shall we do as he says? If not, you speak. Then Hushai said to Absalom, This time the counsel that Ahithophel has given is not good. Hushai said, You know that your father and his men are mighty men, and that they are enraged, like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. Besides, Your father is expert in war. He will not spend the night with the people. Behold, even now he has hidden himself in one of the pits or in some other place. And as soon as some of the people fall at the first attack, whoever hears it will say, There has been a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. Then even the valiant men, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will utterly melt with fear. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man." and that those who are with him are valiant men. But my counsel is that all Israel be gathered to you, from Dan to Beersheba, as the sand by the sea for multitude, and that you go to battle in person. So we shall come upon him in some place where he is to be found, and we shall light upon him as the dew falls on the ground, and of him and all the men with him not one will be left. If he withdraws into a city, then all Israel will bring ropes to that city." and we shall drag it into the valley, until not even a pebble is to be found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel, for the Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel, so that the Lord might bring harm upon Absalom. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar the priest, Thus and so did Ahithophel counsel Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so have I counseled. Now therefore send quickly and tell David, Do not stay tonight at the fords of the wilderness, but by all means pass over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. Now Jonathan and Ahimeaz were waiting at Enrogel. A female servant was to go and tell them, and they were to go and tell King David, for they were not to be seen entering the city. But a young man saw them and told Absalom. So both of them went away quickly and came to the house of a man at Behurim, who had a well in his courtyard, and they went down into it. 
And the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and scattered grain on it, and nothing was known of it. When Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house, they said, Where are Ahimeaz and Jonathan? And the woman said to them, They have gone over the brook of water. And when they had sought and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. After they had gone, the men came up out of the well and went and told King David. They said to David, Arise and go quickly over the water, for thus and so has Ahithophel counseled against you. Then David arose, and all the people who were with him, and they crossed the Jordan. By daybreak not one was left who had not crossed the Jordan. When Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and went off home to his own city. He set his house in order and hanged himself, and he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. Then David came to Maenaim, and Absalom crossed the Jordan with all the men of Israel. Now Absalom had set Amasa over the army instead of Joab. Amasa was the son of a man named Ithra the Ishmaelite, who had married Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zeruiah, Joab's mother. And Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. When David came to Maenaim, Shobai the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and Machir the son of Amiel from Lodibar, and Barzillai the Gileadite from Rogalem, brought beds, basins, and earthen vessels, wheat, barley, flour, parched grain, beans and lentils, honey and curds and sheep and cheese from the herd, for David and the people with him to eat. For they said, The people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. John chapter 19, verses 23 through 42. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold, your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold, your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing all that was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with the spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again another scripture says, They will look on him whom they have pierced.
After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about seventy-five pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Psalm chapter 119, verses 129 through 152. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears, because people do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me, because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried, and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. With my whole heart I cry, Answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you, Save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. O Lord, according to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. It is an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. We're going to do just like we did yesterday. I'm going to share a devotional, and then we're going to pray. I'm going to have to be honest with you. This is like my 10th attempt to record this devotional because I'm so excited about what we're going to be talking about right here that I just I start preaching. And I look, and I'm, I've been talking like 10 minutes, and it's not a devotional. It's turning into a, a preach-a-thon. I just want to say this. In John chapter 19, this is the fourth gospel now that we've read. And we have, of course, a couple more chapters. But right here, I love this. There are seven statements that Jesus makes. And we have several recorded here in the gospel of John. The seventh statement that Jesus makes on the cross before he dies comes from the gospel of Luke, where Jesus says, 
Father, into your hands do I commit my spirit. But we're going to look at the sixth statement that Jesus made. It says this in verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. This is so powerful to me. Do you know that they say, I'm going to start preaching again. I'm going to stay calm so I don't have to keep starting this recorder over. (laughs) All right. There are over 300, over 300 specific prophecies that talk about the Messiah, the coming Messiah in the Old Testament. So take the entire Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, over 300 very specific prophecies speaking of the Messiah. All of them were fulfilled in Jesus. Now, someone did a study years ago mathematically that if just 10 of these 300 plus prophecies could be fulfilled in one person by random chance, and the odds are astronomically impossible, much less over 300 of them fulfilled in the life of Jesus, beginning with Genesis 3.15, where God spoke to the serpent and said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. But when Jesus says right here, let me try to get to a point to stop. When Jesus said, it is finished, my heart just begins to ignite because he says, it's finished. I've been serving the Lord now for a few decades and I can't count how many times in my own life and countless men and women that I've spoken with over the course of the decades, just preaching the gospel, pastoring people, counseling with people. And again, myself sitting where they have sat many times where you feel like you're not enough. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. Or maybe you don't, you're not smart enough. And yet I look here in verse 30 and it says, Jesus says, it is finished. We were incapable of finishing the job. We were incapable of securing our own redemption, dealing with our own sin. And yet Jesus came at the perfect time, lived a sinless life, born of a virgin Mary, poured his life into countless people, healing people, opening blind eyes. And then, of course, the vast majority of his ministry, which was casting out demons, just totally kicking the devil's butt up between his shoulders. I can't believe I said that. Jesus, no one like him, son of God, son of man. Here he is on the cross. And actually, let's look at verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. So Jesus knowing that everything was finished, he's like, okay, I can wrap this up now because he knew it was now finished. He is the only person. If you remember, he said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I'll pick it up again. I've known a whole lot of macho men in my life, but I've never met a true Superman who has been able to say, no one can take my life. It don't matter how big you are, you will die. But Jesus is on that cross and he's not dying yet until he knew that all was now finished. Why? He was not going to take that last breath and give up his spirit until our redemption and freedom and deliverance and salvation was secured. Let's just pray right now because I'm going to keep wanting to say stuff. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, we humble ourselves today before you 
we thank you for the cross and for the resurrection. We thank you that Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life. He was the perfect sacrifice for all of humanity. And God, I'm reminded of the scripture that says that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lamb. Thank you that our past, when we come to you, when we confess our sins and we turn to you and call on your name, that our past is finished and we have a brand new start with you. God, I thank you for the hope of eternity that is only found through Jesus Christ. He's the only way that we have access to you. Draw us close by the presence of your Holy Spirit and reveal your Son to us today in a fresh way. We love you. And we ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm tempted right now to delete this and just start all over, but I'm not going to. I would love to hear from you. What is the Lord saying to you? What is he revealing to you in the scriptures? There could be one verse that's really has gripped you, that has encouraged you and strengthened you. If you'd like to reach out to me, just go to my website at randygudo.com, scroll to the bottom, and there's an area on there where you can send me a direct message. I will reply to you. Would love to hear from you. Please continue to pray for me. I'm praying for you. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you tomorrow with day 152.